You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to 30 to Curtain, a Center Theater Group podcast. I'm Michael Ritchie, Artistic Director of the Center Theater. For each episode of this podcast, we talk with some of the talented artists working across our three stages, the Amundsen Theater, Mark Taper Forum, and the Kirk Douglas Theater. Our guest on this podcast is Sir Matthew Bourne, who has brought a new generation of audiences to dance, breaking down the walls between classical ballet and theatrical entertainment. In 1995, Matthew changed the worlds of dance and theater when his daring interpretation of Swan Lake made its world premiere in London. A year later, it had become the longest run in ballet on the West End. And a year after that, in 1997, he made his U.S. debut here with the Senate Theatre Group at the Amundsen Theatre, where Swan Lake became an instant hit before becoming the longest running ballet on Broadway. The images Matthew conjures on stage are often striking, and always imaginative. He now returns to the Amundsen with a revival of another one of his classics, Cinderella, on stage February 5th through March 10th, 2019. We're proud to have Matthew consider the Amundsen his second home and also to have him as an associate artist at Center Theatre Group. I hope you enjoy this conversation and I look forward to seeing you at the theater. Welcome back to uh, LA. Thank you, Michael. It's great to be here always. Well, obviously, we want to talk a little bit about Cinderella, yeah. which is playing right now. But to, to lead into it, uh, uh, let's do some background on on you, uh, I, I guess, in your career um, uh, and, and how and where it started. Did you grow up dancing or going to dance? Well, not really going to dance that we're, that people might think the sort of thing that they might think I was going to. I, I, I was... Brought up in East London. I'm, a, I'm actually a Cockney, really. Um, and my parents loved going to the theatre. They're not in the theatre, but they loved to take me. And I was lucky to live in London, of course, with lots of theatre. And so I, I saw a lot of dancing musicals, and they loved uh, movies as well. So they sat me down in front of MGM musicals from about four or five onwards. So I was really loved that. So I knew that kind of dance, you know, for, for many years, that was the kind of dancing I knew. And I, I um, didn't know anything about ballet or contemporary dance or modern dance. So um, the instinct in me at that age was to to put on a show. I mean, it's in a very Mickey and Judy kind of way. I always wanted to put on a show, get kids from down the street to come and work, you know, to be in it. Um, it that, that moved then to the sort of church hall down the road. I used to put on 
shows. I used to sing in the choir, but then I used to be able to put on my own shows as well. I've always done it. It's an instinct in me to do it. But the training and the and the dance specific thing that I do now um, came a lot later. I discovered ballet and contemporary dance in my late teens. Very late teens. Yeah, 18. Yeah. Uh, before we get on to that, did you charge for the performances you put on in the neighborhood? I did. You did? Yeah. How much? I used to say something like, what would it have been? To, um, a, sh- a couple of shillings or something in those days. Actually, pre decimal. <laughs> pre decimal money, which was like before the age of 11, I guess. And I used to get little old ladies that I knew and liked down the street who lived on their own. I used to bring them to my house to sit and watch me do these shows and offer them a cup of tea and biscuits to go with it. So that was free. Did you share share the proceeds with the performers? Do you know, I don't know what I did with the proceeds. I really like to know what I was, why I was charging them and what it was for. I don't know. Well, clearly someone was paying. So you discovered dance late uh, and, uh, uh, and then wanted to become a dancer, was it? Yeah, I'd done it in an amateur way for a long time and I was sort of self-taught and I th- kind of think I felt I was quite good, you know, like you do if you're doing it. I thought, oh, I'm quite good at dancing, you know. Uh, the idea of training was not something that had occurred to me really. In fact, the, the, the local sort of amateur dance group I went to, they used to do a ballet class at the beginning of uh, the rehearsal session each time. And I I would turn up after that. I didn't want to be... Sully? There's something about ma- young males, you know, and dance that I didn't want to be seen to be doing ballet at that age. So I went after, I turned up after the class. Um, so there's something going on in my head, which I can't quite explain now, but it wasn't for me, you know. I, I, I knew it wasn't for me at that point. Um, it took a long time for that to become something I felt I needed, which I did, obviously, to do what I do now. Um, but I, I got into ballet and, and uh, all the great choreographers that were coming to London. You know, again, living in London, it was a great chance to see so much in a short space of time. And I used to go a lot. And uh, it came to a point where I just thought I'd need to, to get, take this more seriously, you know. And I, I met some people who were also training. I was ushering at the National Theatre at the time. Oh, nice. I worked there for a long time. I was worked there for pre-training, through training, and when I started my company, I was there for nine years. Um, some American travellers might recognise me from being there. So I used to get recognised quite a lot, and they thought, oh, is he an actor or something? And they thought, like, no, he's on the bookshop at the National yeah. Theatre, <laughs> sitting in that foyer, because <laughs> um, I used to chat to people. and. Um, but I love that job. You know, I saw so much. But I met all my fellow ushers and people like that were trainee actors and dancers and singers and people like that. And I met some who were similar age to me, doing, had uh, gone into training as a dancer, full-time training. And I thought, well, he's the same as me. Why, why am I not doing that? And I applied. And it was my, my literally my first ever dance class was my um, audition. It's crazy. And uh, I got in. Did, uh, <laughs> did you go to university? Uh, well, this was sort of it was a it was a BA honors degree course. It was one of the first of its kind in dance at, the, uh, at that time. So I did end up with a degree. So it was like going to university, but at the time to justify the degree, it was backed up with an enormous amount of uh, written work, as well as the rehearsing and the class and general the academia or in in the craft. All in the craft, yeah, yeah, all to do with dance. But you, we, we studied movement, studied criticism. Um, history, um, all sorts of things. Um, 
as well as choreography and train dance training. Uh, in, in in that training, uh, did you watch film? Was that part of your your training? Was to look at different choreographers? Well, certainly to learn about the history of dance. And I've always loved that. You know, I, do, I, I really was big on that. I, I found that fascinating, you know, and I've, as people will have seen in some of my pieces, I love calling upon the history of dance, you know, and using that. Um, so that was a big fascination for me. One of the things I first liked about ballet was that it was some piece of art preserved all these years, sort of recreated. I thought that was sort of extraordinary, you know, that it was still there. And quite eccentric in its way, you know. Uh, did you learn uh, dance notation? Uh, I did a bit. I, did, I got up to a sort of an intermediary level or something in in Laban notation. It was called. Um, uh, not really useful these days. I don't find no for, for you or in general. In general, it's a very slow process, and we can film everything now on our phones and all different sorts of ways, you know. And it's it, from all angles. It's yeah, it always fascinated me. I, I had very little experience with it, but when uh, I saw it um, uh, being used, I, I was stunned by the, the the hieroglyphics of it yeah. and the ability to translate. I was really lucky uh, at one point in my career to end up in a rehearsal room with Jerome Robbins oh, wow. for about six months on and off, uh, where he was um, uh, trying to develop essentially his autobiography. Uh, it was called the Papa piece, and it was um, some scripted sections, uh, a lot of dance uh, from from his childhood on up through his career, um, his his political problems, uh, where he was in his life. Never came to life, never left, left the rehearsal room. Uh, and it was, um, I mentioned that because of the notation. I remember seeing that then, and he would have someone else come in. And recreate, some recreate of for him. He couldn't yeah. read it, yeah. Uh, uh, but he'd bring people in that knew. Uh, but it was also one of the few times I've ever been in a room where I thought that I'm sitting next to genius. There was something yeah. that came out of him that was inspired. That is is rare to to see. Well, you hear that again and again with him, don't you? That people very much felt that, and you, know, you obviously experienced it and you saw it. Um, but also quite a dark character, wasn't he? Oh, he really was. Now, I was lucky in, in that since I lived a block away from him and uh, we rehearsed across town. So we would ride back and forth together. I'd go over to his um, his townhouse to pick him up and we had a car that fit for him. Uh, and so I had a lot of a quiet time with him. Uh, and so it was, and I was the stage manager. So um, he needed me just to be useful. I, I just yeah. had to provide things for him. Uh, and then because we lived near each other, um, he got to know my, my wife and my son on the street. Uh, and, and my son, our, our son at the time was three years old and he was great with little kids. And so there was something that I found very charming about him, but to watch him turn on a dancer, oof, I mean, he would rip holes in people, but he had, he had a, a crew of his dancers for years, uh, in the room together and they just took it. They all knew. They knew how to deal with it, yeah. but boy, if he got someone a rookie or someone raw, he could he could rip them apart. Yeah, no, I've heard. I, I'd find that very difficult way to work. You know, I'd feel so guilty all day. I wouldn't be able to work if I'd been horrible to someone or rude to someone. If I, I'm almost the opposite. Too nice. No. <laughs> no, no, look, it, no, it may be a work of uh, bringing inspiration to others, to creating. Yeah. How do you create that space where something happens and it's different for different people? And it brings out something in those people. I mean, I'm sure it, it, it can work. 
but it, it, to each his own, really. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't like myself if I did, it was like that, you know. Uh, so when you came out of your, your training, did you mm. join a company as a dancer? No, I, I started the company and that I still run. You got today. balls. You got balls. <laughs> so how did you wait how do you go about doing that? All right, so so yeah, you just like you know kicked around and charged shillings on the street until you were in your late teens. Took a little bit of training, and then suddenly well, you think, it well, started you know what? really small. I mean, it was it, it, I had a fourth year of training, which was about um, uh, being part of a company where you would all sort of audition for the fourth year. And it, but you became a company and choreographers came in and worked with you and you went on a, a tour of the UK, a little tour. So I learned about a, how a company works and the sort of venues you might go to. And I was working with a group of friends at college and we just decided to start our own thing. Several of us wanted to choreograph. We all wanted to perform. We thought if we don't do it ourselves, it was quite a culture of that in UK at the time, lots of little companies around. So there's only about eight of us. So it wasn't what it is now. It was a very small um, unpaid concern to begin with and where you ironed your own costumes and rolled out the floor and put it down and rolled it up at the end of the evening. And, you know, it was a very, uh, um, but fun, you know, lots of fun. I loved it. Because in the beginning, always the best. Yeah. Don't you have just the best memories? Of Such great just memories. Just living on the edge. Right? Yeah, I loved it as yeah. much. I mean, I love what I do now, but I love that as much. You know, it, 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 I never sort of hankered for more. It just happened. The, the company got bigger, the opportunities got greater, you know. So in the beginning, uh, both as a dancer and a choreographer, um, certainly you weren't doing the large-scale pieces, both mm, in, in, no. in scope or in length. So you're working on smaller pieces at the time? Yeah, there were small sort of pastiche kind of pieces, collage pieces about ideas. You know, I did one about Englishness. I did one about Frenchness. You know, sort of like a bring together ideas and make a little, almost like a cabaret in one sense, you know. But at the same time as that, I was getting offers to work in theatre and do uh, work in plays and musical theatre. Um, uh, John Caird was the, one of the first people who came to me and um, offered me something. Um, I've got a, I mean, him and Stephen Schwartz actually as well. He, he brought Stephen Schwartz along to some of my shows and I've got a, actually got a, a, an old video of a, one of my performances um, where there's about 10 people in the audience, including John and Stephen, and you can hear them laughing all the way through. <laughs> and this led to some nice things. You know, John invited me to work with them at the RSC um, uh, on a, a production of Actually Like It, and I met lots of great actors I'm still friendly with now. Alan Cumming has been a lifelong friend, you know, since then. Um and uh, I got invited to do a musical with them uh, called Children of Eden, um, which is Stephen Schwartz's right, musical. Yep. And we did the premiere of it in London. It was a big flop. So it was a big lesson to me at the time because uh, I thought, well, I'm made now, aren't I? Stephen Schwartz, John Kerr, just done Les Mis done, and done everything. And done, right? You know, all these shows run forever. <laughs> Three months, yeah. it was gone, I you know? know, so it was interesting. But but I learned alongside that, I was working with some, some really interesting directors and learning from them and bringing that to what I do in dance. That was a very valuable time, actually. All right, so you're, you're looking back on, on Children of Eden. Now, isn't there, uh, look, the hits are wonderful. Uh, uh, but in 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 retrospect, isn't there something wonderful about the flops? Isn't there something? Isn't that where the stories come from? <laughs> it is. I think so. And maybe you learn things as well. Right. You know, I mean, you're learning what you know. You think, well, okay, because yeah, I think when you build up to any opening of anything, you're convincing yourself it's good. Yep. Because that's your job in a way 
to convince everyone you're this is great, exactly. isn't it? Isn't it? Everyone, <laughs> you know, you sort of like, <laughs> and then publicly, people are telling you in newspapers that it's not so it's good. Not good. <laughs> you can, like, can't come to terms with this, yeah, know. you know, and it does, it hits you. It's hard. Anyone who works in theatre knows this, you know, um, the, the public judgment of your work when you're your most vulnerable really is not nice. No. And, and, and look, for me, I have a little bit of a distance in that I'm, you know, I, I produce the shows. I, I, I put the teams together. You are putting yourself out there. Your performers are putting themselves out there. Um, it's, you know, uh, uh, being an artist isn't what you do. It's who you are. So when your art gets judged, it must feel like, it must feel very personal. I can, I can remove myself a little bit. I don't know if I'd have the capacity to be as close to it as um, I see in artists. Yeah, I mean, I think it's true. You open yourselves up, don't you? Uh, and it's, it is a very public thing. But of course, that's what it's all about. It's about audiences. So um, it, goes, it goes along with that. I don't know fully the history of the company. My first experience with it was with Swan Lake. Mm -hmm. So now that b began uh, b back in Great Britain and London where, where you were. Um, how did it come to be um, a piece that was seen in some ways around the world? What, what, what was that trajectory? And was that the first big leap for you and the company? Well, it changed my life, that piece. I'd done Nutcracker before, but it was a commission for another company, an opera company called Opera North. So that experience had been a good one and I'd enjoyed working with a score and everything. So I wanted to do another one and I, I, Swan Lake would have been my first choice anyway, probably. It was a big gamble to do it in some ways, but we had proper funding to expand. We were a small company, as I was saying, and then we expanded to do it with two weeks which was a long time at that time, run at Sadler's Wells. Um, so it was, there was a lot of faith in it, I suppose, in a way. Um, we felt we had a good idea. It didn't, uh, other people didn't share that thought outside of, you know, the rehearsal room, some people. Um, so it was a little scary, but we had faith in it. But we didn't, we had no expectation of what would happen once we did that first show, really. It was sort of incredible, an incredible uh, life-changing night. Uh, Cameron McIntosh, literally pinned me against the wall in the in the uh the bar in the interval and said this has to be in the west end this is a, this is not you know this is beyond dance it has to be in the we're, we're going to do it we're going to do it you know sort of before it even finished you know so he uh, it made me really respect him actually because i thought well he really does know when he's seen something <laughs> that that might work you know um and then it was on the news the next day you know it was big news but um during that time, I think we were the, whether it was the Sadler's Wells or during that tour, the following year, it went into the West End, the Piccadilly Theatre in the West End, which was an unheard of thing. And during that time, uh, Gordon Davidson had come to see it in London and Charles Dillingham, I think. And, and Gordon decided that it was something he wanted his audience to see and um, offered us the opportunity to come here um, to the Armisen. And it, it was literally our first ever international date for my company anywhere in the world, you know. So <laughs> this is the this is why this relationship is so important to me, you know, because I think it was it started when no one else had the faith to bring us, you know. Um, so I think it was an extraordinary time, you know, to be within what we looked at then, I suppose, as a, essentially a season of theatre 
musical theatre and play great plays and things to put this dance piece in the middle of that um was an unusual and un- unheard of thing at the time um but coming here as a you know a, a group of young people from london who'd never really traveled in that way and to be embraced by the city which we were it felt we would like the talk of the town for a while uh was an, in- an incredible experience that i still sort of uh have very fond memories about now you know it was a great time i would imagine it is i wasn't here at the time but um from the minute i started uh interviewing for, for this particular position i i was hearing about that experience here how it, it it did light up the city and it did light up the audiences and it was and internally people would say it appeared to be a risk but it wasn't you know we had seen the effect of the yeah. show um, elsewhere. Uh, for those of uh, our listeners who don't know your version of Swan Lake, what made it special? What was the what was the difference maker there? Well, the big thing that uh, everyone calls it the all-male Swan Lake, which of course it isn't. It has, does have female dancers in it, but the, the swans are played by men rather than famously the women in the ballet, um, which was a, a big cultural thing. You know, I realized um, that it was because I, I felt some ways that the the thing that we picked up on in my version of it was the royal aspect of it, because our, our royal family and our piece, the piece is always about a prince who is, the queen is trying to marry him off to a suitable princess. And when I made the piece, it was all in the news every day. It was Diana and Charles and Camilla and all these royal scandals that were going on. You know, it was big news and about a prince who couldn't be with who he wanted to be with. And our prince looked a bit like Prince Charles and he dressed a bit like him. And I thought, this is, if anything, this will be the thing that the papers pick up on. You know, Prince Charles in gay ballet or something like that, you know. Um, none, none of that at all. It was all about swans. It was all about um, the this culturally powerful image of the female swan dancing swan against adam cooper was our original first cast uh dancer the new swan you know the look the male swan um and that was what it was all about. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What, what, gave, what gave you that idea? I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's inspired. No one else had done it. Where did that come from? Well, I sort of uh, um, I knew the ballet very well. I used to go to the Royal Opera House and watch it quite a lot. And it was a bit of a daydream, actually. I did a what if, which I do quite a lot when I watch things a lot. You know, what if the swans were, you know, male? You know, I sort of thought, thought, um, what is it he's looking for, this prince? You know, he's always saying, he's saying, no, 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 I'm not going to marry her. I'm not going to marry her. And what is he, what is it he's looking for? Um, so I had a sort of strange sort of little fantasy going on in my head. Um, never dreaming that I would ever do it. It was just literally a daydream, you know. Um, and then when this possibility came up, I came back to it and I thought, well, this could be really interesting. I mean, it's it's the most basically obvious thing. I mean, there are male swans and there are female swans. Otherwise, there'd be no swans. So the idea of male swans just uh, gave me an opportunity to go back to 
looking at the real thing, uh, looking at real swans, how they moved, and using all those aspects that, um, and creating a new um, vocabulary of movement for the swans that was more masculine. Um, I'm going to have to be careful when I talk about it now because you could do a new version of Swan Lake with women and do new choreography and they could be very powerful. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so I'm not meaning that. But I, but it was just, it, it, the interesting thing was what it psychologically did for the story of a prince who is drawn towards this swan. It became much more the good voice and the bad voice in his head. It became much more about who he was and and um what the swan represented rather than a, a, just a, an attraction. It was more like an attraction because he was free and wild and beautiful and did what he liked. It's everything he couldn't do himself, you know. Let's talk about uh, Cinderella. Yeah. Uh, when did you first approach uh, this particular piece and and why? Um, I uh, It was the follow-up to Swan Lake, which is a difficult thing in itself. It was like the second album syndrome, isn't it? It's all <laughs> exactly. thing. So that when you've had a big hit and it's just like, oh, whatever I do, it's not going to be as good. Um, Wait, stop, stop right there. So, so tell, me, <laughs> tell me about that. No, this is this is interesting. Okay, so you've had this huge success mm. and you've you've been able to wear, wear that badge for a little while and sort of, uh, you know, make peace with this shift in your life. Yeah. And there's a lot of good that comes with that. What's the dark side? What's the downside when you're there in that moment? Well, I I was very conscious and very keen not to be a one-hit wonder, you know? And that's what it felt like a little bit, that it, it was it was beyond just a successful show. You know, it had gone to other places and done things that I would, I'd never expected it to do. So to follow that up um, was a little bit scary, um, uh, more than scary. But you had to do it. You know, you've got to do you if you don't follow it up, you don't follow it up. You know, you've got to do yeah, something. Something wonder, has to be right? the next yeah. piece, you know. Yeah. Um you become the trogs. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure on it, a lot of um um expectation. And so it could never quite uh uh it was almost quite impossible to live up to it in a way. So but interestingly, you know, it did it it did do pretty well when we first did it. Um but I felt there were the I needed more opportunity to work on it. What we decided to do was do it straight into the West End, which was a maybe a little bit of a difficult thing to do as well, rather than try it out in other places, you know. Um, but um, it's a piece I've always had a lot of faith in. A lot of I, I believe in it as a piece. I, I love the piece. It's such a it's a delicate piece, you know. It requires. Um, sincere performances and, and a, a quality of acting, which is not what dance normally does. You know, it's about real people in a real situation. And I feel that's um, an important thing about it. And it, it has its own special quality. It's not, it's not uh, like Swan Lake. It's a different kind of, different animal. Um, uh, but we maybe have talked around the wrong way because I haven't explained to people what it, the, the theme of it is yet, but really have I, but um but we, um, but the 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 piece we're bringing back because we did do it here yes. twenty years yeah, ago. Yeah, I know. Um, and Very people, successful. People loved it here yeah. then, and we yeah. and 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 we've had a dream to bring it back for some years now. You know, um, and but the production I felt um, that we did here was definitely a move on from the one that we did in the West End. It was two years later, 
And again, we had this brilliant opportunity to redo it. And I think it went it went steps upwards when we brought it here. here. It, was, it was had a lot of differences to the West End production. And this was the only other place it had been done. So we did it in the West End and at the Amundsen, and that was it. And so I wanted to bring it back about 10 years ago. I wanted to have a proper look at it and, and start from the beginning again and work out how we could do this as a touring show. It wasn't actually made to tour even. It was a sit-down production, you know. So Les needed, Les Brothers to my designer needed to do some work. We needed to pare the cast down a bit, make it a workable thing. So now the cast are constantly busy. When they're not on stage, they're in quick change. You know, they're always, always working through the evening. Um, and we had this opportunity to redo it. And I, re I really wanted to bring that to audiences here. Um, it's, um, it's also sort of a personal piece for me because it's, it sort of comes from, it's set during the Blitz uh, in London where my parents were growing up. They were not evacuated um, like um, Angela Lansbury was. She was um, mentioning this to her assistant the other day about coming to see the show. And I said, well, Angela might be interested in this because she was, she was evacuated to the US at this time in 1940 and became an actress. So I said, it's almost part of her history as well. Well, my parents were stayed in London and uh, my both sets of grandparents live within streets of each other um, during that time. And um, so I heard stories about it when I was growing up that, that time the nightly bombardment of bombs, you know, and, and how they, how my dad used to think it was a lot of fun, actually, you know, um, when he was so young, you know, he used to go out and explore the next day with bombed buildings and stuff like a lot of kids did. Some of the characters in it are named after my grandparents. And, but it, it, but the, the, the whole Blitz story in Cinderella, um, as people who saw it before here will, will remember it, it, it works extremely well because it's that whole thing of people, um, Seeking escapism is one thing that's very big time, you know, so the dance tonight, we may all die tomorrow. You know, people fell in love very quickly, which is what Cinderella's about. Um, and the idea of a shoe going missing in the rubble of a bombed building is such a powerful image, that sort of sparkly shoe, and that's a feeling of some sort of hope in that as well. Um, and it's all in that music, which was written during that time but not written for a wartime story. It was written to be a fairy tale ballet, you know, in the manner of Tchaikovsky. So it was sort of, uh, it was the, the key to this piece was really reading that Prokofiev had written it at that time. And it just sparked off a whole, uh, the whole piece really. And it made so much sense to me. How much uh, how much research do you normally do? Is that you were reading about the period? Is that yeah, normal? This is a great film for, re a piece for research, so many films. Um, so many great films to watch. I mean, I get all my dancers to watch the, all these old black and white movies. It's amazing how many young people that I find it difficult to watch a black and white movie. I mean, I don't get it, but I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> One of them said to me, oh, "I have to watch it in twenty-minute bursts because it's in black and white." <laughs> so, what does that mean? Um, <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of great research and um, and. Pieces to base your characters on, you know. But the big movie that it's based on mainly is, a, a, in England, it was called A Matter of Life and Death. I think it was called Stairway to Heaven in the States. Um, uh, Powell and Pressburger film. And as we know, we did The Red Shoes here recently. Another, it's another one of their films. Um, and it's about the hovering between life and death of these two characters that fall in love. 
in a very short space of time in an airplane. He's sort of, she's the air controller, the American girl, and he's the English pilot who's about to uh, crash land, yeah, yeah. you know, and they fall in love in this instant. And it's, it's something uh, mixes up the, the order of things in the heavens and it wasn't supposed to happen that he dies and he doesn't. And uh, they survive because they're, in love it's about the power of love and that's what this piece is about as well it's about finding two people finding each other in difficult circumstances uh, when you walk into the room at the beginning of uh, a rehearsal to create the piece um how uh how much do you know how autocratic are you about where it's going what's happening or is it looser than that it's it, it's it's two things it's, it's quite strong in the sense of i know the music structure very well. I know what the music is doing because I've had to convince myself that all my ideas are in the music and not put on top of it. So I know where we're going a bit and I know emotionally what I want to do and what each scene might be about. But beyond that, it's free. I want help. I want them to help me create. I want them to give me ideas. I want them to do their own research and bring things to me. I always say to them, I can't read everything. I can't watch everything. You've got to do your own bring it to bring things to me so you go oh but i read this and we you know so uh it becomes very collaborative in the room uh with the with the dancers um and you know you never know who's gonna have the best idea uh sometimes it's 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 not always going to be me certainly and sometimes it's the person who's just joined the company you know um so you you've got to be open i always find it you know, keep the ears and eyes open how many in the company now well, at the moment, there's 70 because we've got 30 here in Cinderella uh, and 40 back home in Swan Lake, which has just finished its eight-week run at Sadler's Wells. So the company's split in two at the moment. There's a lot of dancers. Uh, how, do you, uh, how do you find your dancers to fill out the company as time goes on? Um, well, Cinderella is an interesting one because you've got generational uh, differences in it. You've got people who've been with me for 20 years in this show. And you've got others that are brand new and there's lots of young talent to see as well. Um, but basically the company, uh, you know, I, th I find the mixture of the, the more experience with the new is a really good thing. You can learn a lot from each other. It's not all one way. Um, I look for people who are um, passionate about moving. Sometimes they're not trained in any way in the uh, as actors so the way i try and find it is how passionate are they to get their ideas across because i feel that's the beginning of acting for me it's the it's the wanting to be generous with an audience and that's tell the audience a story you know and that and that's how it develops from them their passion for movement it becomes uh, their passion to tell a story to to an audience um and they have to be very skilled. There's some lovely performances in this Cinderella, I have to say. I mean, some really delicate acting, sincere, uh, wonderful stuff going on all around the stage. I would tell people to really look around um, and follow a few little interesting stories that go on. Um, I'm probably telling people not to look at the main action now, but <laughs> they always say, oh, there's too much to look at. We have to come again, which well, is Not fine. the worst thing that can Please happen to any of us, right? <laughs> um, but it's... It, it's important, you know, that, that this uh, piece has that element to it of, of real situations and real people. Yeah. Well, I have to say, we're, we're thrilled to have you and the company back here. It's, uh, it was one of the blessings for me when I, when I took this job. I knew that you had 
been, been a part of, you know, the recent history here at Center Theater Group and in Los Angeles. And it was certainly something that um, others had encouraged me to pursue. Uh, I don't know how many we've done together now, but it's it's more than a handful. And oh, yes. I certainly hope that there are, are more to come in the future. Um, are you working on anything new? Yes. Well, thank you, Michael, for that, because I, I, you know, it would have been so I would have been so sad if that had, relationship hadn't continued. And it has thrived under your leadership as well. And we've, we're so grateful to keep coming back. Um, but we've got, um, I've got I've got a new production actually starting. I'm very nervous at the moment because I'm working on it, um, uh, trying to solve it. Um, Romeo and Juliet, which is something that I've resisted for years because it's been done a million ways. You know, every, every version you can think of has been done in all mediums. Um, uh, my take on it is quite simple in some ways, although it will be different, um, but is was about young young cast and young people involved in the creation of it sparked something in me that I thought was really exciting. So I've gone for all the younger members of my company and a lot of new recent graduates coming into it and young people that we pick up around the UK in each city that we go to. We have six talented young people that we've auditioned already uh, will join us in each city. But also we have young associate artists as choreographer, designer, lighting designer, conductor, uh, ranger. Well, we're all working with a young associate um, and I'm working with a young associate choreographer called Arielle Smith, young female choreographer who's absolutely brilliant. We'll have a great time with as well. She's a talent, but actually she's fun to work with. You know, for, for the big age gap between us, she's, she's 20 and I'm quite old 32 <laughs> 32 uh, I, I will say one of the great things about um, your company and I don't know when and where this started um, is the fact that you don't sit down and just do performances you um, you reach out you go out into the schools you go out into the communities um, you do training you do introduction to to dance into theater uh, it's a very um, active give and take um, with the audience, particularly the younger audiences. And I know that when we do student matinees, um, they are among the most exciting performances I've ever been to. Oh, it's yeah. A, we it's can't a blessing wait. to have you guys uh, yeah. come in and uh, continue to do that. And I know we've got a lot of events um, around the company over this five-week stay um, going outside the, the walls of the theater. Absolutely. It's what we're all about as well. Yeah. Um, that's why we're a great team, I think. That's right. It works. Well, Matthew, uh, thank you for this. Uh, I'm glad you're here for five weeks. We'll be seeing more of each other and looking forward to talking about the next times you're coming back here. You've been listening to 30 to Curtain, a Santa Theatre Group podcast. You can find out more about Matthew Bourne's Cinderella, our organization, and upcoming productions on our website at centertheatergroup.org. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lin-Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.